Welcome to Exploring Boys Education, a regular podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition in which we have conversations about educating boys and the many issues that impact and affect boys schools and teachers of boys. Exploring Boys Education is hosted by me, Bruce Collins. I am the IBSC's Director of Membership Engagement. In this episode of Exploring Boys Education, we'll be diving into what it means to embrace a culture of innovation and research in boys' schools. Dr. Caitlin Munday from the Scots College hosts two fascinating interviews with schools from the United States, Australia, the United Kingdom and Canada. Research should play an important role in every school, and as more schools start venturing into creating their own research centres, these conversations will be helpful to many. Research helps us to better understand what we're doing, help us to make better choices, and, and to give us confidence in, in terms of our professional development and professional growth. Mm. Schools are busy places. Educators are very, very busy people. And so research, in order to really change culture, needs to be core to the mission of the school and core to the daily business. It's been really exciting for us to have the opportunity to afford our teachers and our thoughts uh, the ability to do what schools do for our students, which is think about learning. But before we get into the conversations with Caitlin and her guests, I'd like to take a moment to say thank you for your support of this podcast. We've received numerous positive comments about the ways in which exploring boys' education is making a difference in boys' schools and for teachers of boys. In fact, I was blown away by the feedback we received recently in a voice note from Russell Leary, who is the History Department Chair at Blue Ridge School in Virginia in the United States. Russell shared how they are using the podcast to facilitate professional conversations. At the Blue Ridge School, we've used the Exploring Boys Education podcast to reflect on our own practices and remind ourselves of what our boys truly mean the most. It's exciting for us to hear the hopeful message regarding boys' education and has provided ideas on how to make ourselves and our school a better place to learn. Now, isn't that a cool idea? We definitely love it, and we would like to see more of that happening with the podcast. We'd also like to engage more with you, our audience, so we have an idea, and that is to feature your feedback or responses to ideas shared here on future episodes of the podcast. You can do that easily by sending me a WhatsApp voice note. My number is plus two seven seven one eight nine one one eight nine eight. Or alternatively, why not record a voice memo on your phone and email it to me on Collins at the IBSC.org. Remember to keep these short and also introduce yourself before you share your feedback. We're hoping that many of you will engage with us in this way and have your voices featured on future episodes. But now, back to today's focus on creating cultures of innovation and creativity in boys' schools. By way of introduction, I asked our guest host, Dr. Caitlin Munday, who is a research fellow at the Scots College in Sydney, to share her insights on the benefits of evidence-informed practice in schools. 
Albert Einstein once quipped, we cannot solve a problem by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created it. Research and innovation matter now more than ever. They matter because as we look at our boys, teachers, schools, educational systems and society more broadly, we see complex challenges everywhere. And these challenges won't be solved by doing things the way they've always been done. That's why we need to deepen a culture of research, innovation and hard thinking in schools. We want to more effectively understand and engage boys by asking and answering the right questions. We want to build the competence and passion of teachers and raise the profile of teaching as a scholarly vocation. We want to make better decisions about resources and planning from the micro level of the individual classroom to the macro level of public policy. It's an exciting moment in boys' schools to be thinking hard about the future of education. And through the leadership of the IBSC Research Committee and the energy of research engagement in schools around the world, we're seeing new and better ways of bringing out the best in boys and reinventing an education worth having into the future. So without further ado, let's dive right into the interviews that were recorded in Montreal at the IBSC Annual Conference. My name is Dr. Caitlin Monday. I'm from the Scots College and I'm here with Mr. Tom Abuthnot from Eton College, Dr. Kim Hudson from St. Christopher's, Dr. Hugh Chilton from the Scots College and Dr. Ian Lambert from the Scots College, but also chair of the IBSC Research Committee and the Australasian Vice President. Um, there is increasing interest in research and innovation in schools. And um, Ian, I thought we might kick off with you. Why do you think that's the case? What is driving schools? to invest in research? I think schools are increasingly recognising that the world is getting more complex, the demands on schools are, are changing, and that while we've had a, a fairly conservative model of a school, we're recognising that we need to be setting visions and strategies, and we need to be thinking about which directions and which choices we make in terms of our resources, in terms of the people we engage in the life of the school and, and the types of programs that we hope to um, engage the boys with. So a lot of the, the focus for us around research is that we, we often as schools are subjected to research that is done um, to us or it's done by others about us and um, but we're really concerned I think about research that's done in the school or by the school so that it's very relevant to practice because ultimately uh, the realisation of any vision of a school will only take place if the teachers and the staff in the school drive that vision and are aligned with that vision and I think research helps us to better understand what we're doing um, help us to make better choices and and to give us confidence um, in in terms of our professional development and professional growth. Mm. Kim that doesn't seem like a straightforward thing and um, what are some of the current challenges associated with building research and innovation cultures in schools? Absolutely Caitlin so to, to build off what Ian just talked about um, we have sort of identified three major challenges um, in terms of building those cultures, which are so important. Um, Ian touched on the first one already, um, the issue of research being done to schools rather than with schools and by schools, and that's why these cultures are so important. Um, it has to be driven by the folks who live and breathe school life. Um, secondly, uh, what we also know is it's not as though there's not research out there. Um, 
but rather the issue is getting the research findings in the hands of people who can make the changes. So making the research findings accessible um, and then helping our teachers access those such that they do change practice. Um, a third challenge is that often research work is on top of everything else that's going on in schools. So schools are busy places, educators are very, very busy people. And so research, in order to really change culture, needs to be core to the mission of the school and core to the daily business. Um, so again, all those things are, are challenges, but not things that, that can't be overcome. Well, given these challenges, how do we avoid research and innovation just becoming buzzwords of the hour with great promise but with momentary impact. What does genuine expertise look like and how do we grow it in our schools? Hugh, perhaps you'd like to talk to us about that. Yeah, sure. You know, we as educators are often inflicted with um, a great series of fads and trends and, and so forth. And if you've been around for a little while, it can seem like research and innovation is just another thing. But um, I think if we have a kind of a richer and broader perspective on what we're trying to do in education. If we, if we sort of turn the dial back to, you know, why, why were our schools started? What was their purpose and mission? Um, have, have we lost in the bureaucratisation of education something of the, the way in which schools aren't just the kind of passive recipients of expert knowledge produced out there in the real world, quote unquote, but actually part of the conversation about what it means to live a good life and how to form human beings. Um, and at the same time, kind of look with more um, vision forwards at the kind of challenges coming down the pipeline towards schools and think about how do we really help teachers to um, have the, the skills, yes, but also the sense of uh, vocation, um, the expertise around connecting across the borders between schools, universities and the world of work such that they can, they can really think critically about the project of education. So I think expertise looks like being able to look back with, um, with wisdom and look forward with the kind of vision that, um, that we need for the future. All of you have been very involved or your schools have been involved with the IBSC research committee. Um, how has that committee sought to contribute to the building of these research and innovation cultures and, and networks? Ian, perhaps I'll throw to you that one. I think what's, uh, what's been emerging um, in the IBC over time is the fact that we're bringing together um, different communities from different cultural backgrounds and there are lots of things that are, that are similar and there are things that um, are quite different in, in terms of the way um, we think about education. And so I think the research framework becomes really important in, in terms of the IBSC um, meeting the needs of its, of its members. So understanding what our members need, understanding um, the feedback, linking the work of the research committee to that. So it, it always remains, it builds on sort of five principles that underpin the work that we do on behalf of the schools. And that is that the research um, that we engage in must always be relevant. So whether that's at the level of action research, uh, individual uh, research or um, sort of global research that impacts the whole community, it, it, it still must be very relevant for the organisation and relevant for individual member schools. Um, it, it must always be rigorous and um, it, it can't be superficial in any sense and, and that means that it's research that's conducted over time so there's continuity of engagement and thought in the process that the research 
is helping us to stay on the front foot as an organisation. So it's it's innovative, it's thinking, it's looking at schools that are engaged in um, you know new practices, best practices, however you describe that, or you know good responses to challenges that are emerging in different settings. And then I think that one of the key areas, the fourth area, is, is that research needs to be really embedded um, in our individual school communities and in our organisation, that um, all elements of what we're doing are shaped by the learning um, that, that is coming through the research project. And then also to think really hard about how we disseminate that knowledge. Too often, um, you know, research is done, we have a final product, somebody out there reads it and, it and it goes on the shelf and it doesn't impact. So we want to look at the way in which we can actually um, break down, disseminate, communicate, um, so that any research that's done at any of those three levels will impact the school. So we do ask those questions about what gets researched, who does research, and where does that research go? And they're, they're very important issues for us. And very significant questions. You, you mentioned when going through those principles, research, and we've talked a lot about that, but that's a very broad and varied term. Um, what type of research is the IBSC research community interested in, the IBSC more broadly? Yeah, well, I think we've had, um, the IBSC was established in uh, 1995 and, and particularly as it moved towards the 2000 beyond, uh, really developed a very strong action research program and that program um, was really concerned with the needs of um, early career teachers and how they could um, develop reflective practice that was very much embedded in uh, their own school community but they would be able to collaborate with educators from around the world and that program continues to be a great pillar or a great strength of, of research that's conducted. Um, the other area that we've looked at um, are what we larger scale continuous projects that have been involved over a number of years, engaging a number of schools um, and working with uh, key universities or centres of learning or, or individuals who've uh, developed a very rigorous ethical research project. And so that's a, that's a key part of the work we do. And the other area that's emerging is many teachers in our schools have undertaken postgraduate research as individuals and we're really looking at how we can link those individuals together and draw that knowledge together for our mutual benefit as an organisation. So I think what we do think about sort of action research, individual researchers collaborating and then uh, large um, multi-year university or institute um, guided research projects. Mm. That's a lot of different kinds of research and it's incredibly valuable to have the work of the committee facilitating those initiatives and, and drawing together those networks, growing expertise um, and, and disseminating research amongst our, our network of boys schools. Um, each of you represent schools that have been active in the research scene for a while and, and have sought to establish research centres of some kind, though the flavour and focus of those um, looks different. Um, for schools who are persuaded of the value of growing research and innovation cultures uh, and who are interested in building these cultures within their own context, 
how would you recommend they begin? And perhaps we can begin with you, Kim. Tell us what research looks like at St Christopher's and, and what has been working well and what wisdom, words of wisdom, you can offer those who are wishing to begin this process. Absolutely. Um, so one of the things that has really helped our Center for the Study of Boys move forward um, is giving our teachers and our boys these communities of research. And so we're fortunate to have a, an action research team of faculty within the school. Um, so at this point, 35% uh, of our teachers have engaged in action research projects. Um, and that is helpful on a number of levels. Um, first of all, that action research is really personal to each teacher. Um, so the teachers are engaged, they're invested, they have a question they want to investigate. Um, and so they work um, with their boys, which is also a great model because the boys then see teacher as learner. Um, they see their teachers asking questions, collecting data, um, asking new questions, um, and reflecting on what they find, which is really important for creating that community. It also builds a wonderful community across our school. So we are a JK through 12 school, and so teachers across divisions are working together um, and, and supporting one another through that process. Um, another important principle of our center is the engagement of our boys. So our goal always is to make sure that we are, are reaching our boys, um, that we are engaging them in what works best for them to move them forward in whatever domain it may be. And so a critical part of that process is engaging them and asking them what they're thinking. So at the heart of all that we do uh, is are the voices of our boys. And um, I feel like they guide us. Um, and when we get off track, they help us get back on track <laughs> with some pointed feedback. Um, and so those two principles, that sort of community of research and, and including our boys in all that we do, are really central to the work of our center. Tom, how has that looked similar or different uh, at the, for the training little centre at Eton? Well, I think I'd endorse everything Kim's just said about the initial journey of getting research centre up and running. Um, I think where we are now is on moving towards, um, while continuing to embed research, having the voices of boys, publishing research journals and so on, we're moving to the next stage, which is also engaging our local communities of schools in the value of evidence-based practice and research. Um, it's very interesting, we're starting up a local partnership of uh, nine schools, um, seven state-maintained schools, two independent schools, and one of the very first things that that group put on the table that they want the group to look at is indeed research. And certainly we're looking at the IBSC model of action research for inspiration and ways to do that. So the Tony Little Centre is not just a hub inside Eden, it's also becoming a hub outside Eden. <clears throat> and that's becoming particularly important as well as we move to a culture where we are demanding um, really valid and powerful impact assessment of the different things we do. Um, so taking that research model and actually applying it mm. to, for example, the amount of money we spend on boys from more disadvantaged backgrounds who come to the school and being able to come up with a really researched informed framework for how successful we're being. Um, those, I think, are the second or third order effects that we're beginning to experience now that the centre's established in the school. Mm. What have been some of the challenges as you've gone about establishing those partnerships and, and moving the, the centre 
forward? Well, I think it's, I mean, certainly in the UK, school partnerships is a really important um, discourse, it's a really important policy priority for the government to have independent schools and state-maintained schools working together. Um, so four or five years ago, we founded a state-maintained boarding school called Hollyport College, uh, which is four or five miles away and it's fantastic and Eton boys and Hollyport students interact in all sorts of mm. different ways but the question that the government asks us particularly in terms of the expenditure of taxpayer money is how is this partnership enriching the experience of students in both schools um, they're not just asking it of us they're asking us of other schools which have gone down similar paths I have to say so far in the first four or five years we've um, we've kind of come up with some relatively kind of initial answers to that question but we are still in the process of putting a serious framework in place. But I think in two or three years' time, we hope to be able to have that framework to say working in partnership is really powerful to students of all kinds. Um, and this is the way in which you can measure it, and this is the way you can assess, assess your success. Mm, thanks, Tom. Hugh, the Scots College Research Centre is now in its eighth year. What's been the process of building a research culture, and, and what have been the lessons that you've learned along the way? Sure. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, there are many different ways of approaching research in schools and um, I think for us, as I said earlier, a key, a key focus has been really making sure it's connected to who we are as a school. What's our vision of education? Um, how do we see ourselves contributing to the broader discussion? Um, what's, what's the role of the teacher in, um, in this project of formation? And, um, and how do we reimagine what that looks like? So um, it's been really exciting to see um, staff of all sorts of persuasions in the school re-engage with their, their vision of education and um, and also see themselves not just as kind of technicians um, as you were and um, or as it were and uh, as people who are um, disconnected from what's going on in the real world but, but instrumentally connected to it. I think um, all the programs that have been really exciting there have been uh, our master teacher fellowships where we've seen teachers who've been in the classroom for a long time really um, reconceive of themselves as leaders in the community, um, publishing research, um, mentoring younger staff, engaging with um, communities beyond the school, and, um, and, and modelling for our staff the idea that you know you go on and continue learning um, all through your career. Um, another aspect of, of staff engagement which has been, which has been exciting has been seeing staff um, consider and, and take up um, higher degrees by research. We've concentrated our um, our professional learning around a cohort-based model of staff development. So we've got uh, at the moment seven staff in our PhD cohort who are working on uh, projects really connected to the strategy of the school and it's been great to see them collaborate together, um, share research, um, speak inside and outside the school and, um, and model, as Kim said before, for boys and for colleagues the idea that um, this is a, this is a uh, an inspiring and um, and sort of renewing um, thing to be involved in research. So I think um, seeing that grow, there's obviously always challenges, and um, and research can often be, um, you know, the, the time challenges are a big one, as Kim mentioned. But um, I think people are inspired by reconnecting with ideas, reconnecting with the purpose of education, uh, and seeing better decisions and better questions asked at all levels of the organisation about who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do that more effectively. So what words of wisdom would you offer those who are who are starting out in this journey? Yeah, I think I'd say like have, have a really robust discussion all through your organisation um, and with your you know with your community about um, about why you want to do this, about who your school um, seeks to serve and um, the particular distinctives of the school. So, for instance, at Scotts, we have a very strong focus on experiential learning. We have a, a six-month program for our grade nine boys where they live and learn in the Kangaroo Valley and engage in all sorts of adventure and so forth. So a big focus for our 
research is experiential learning, thinking about, well, if this is a distinctive, how do we make sure we do that really well? So, so think about that. And I think uh, it's important to um, be really clear about the kind of structures that it can support the, the reconceptualization of the role of the teacher. So if, if it is just one more thing, or if it's an adjunct to the core business of the school, then I think it's always going to be just one more thing. But um, if this is um, sort of celebrated and supported as central to the vocation of teaching, then I think it's got a lot more chance of, uh, of actually becoming embedded and, uh, and enduring in the school. Well, well, thanks to each of you. It's been a great opportunity to reflect on, on the reasons for building research and innovation cultures within schools and networks between schools, um, to consider how this work is supported by the IBSC Research Committee and how it's exemplified, I think, in the, the approaches of research centres like those at St Christopher's and Eton and the Scots College, um, whose stories provide us with some guidance um, for how to, how to go about building those those research and innovation cultures in your own context uh, in order that that promise of research and innovation um, is actually eventualized in practice. I'm sure you'll agree that our guests have all given us food for thought about establishing similar cultures in our own schools. Before we hear Caitlin's next conversation, which is with the team at Crescent School in Toronto who are just starting their journey, I'd like to highlight IBSC's commitment to research. As Ian Lambert mentioned earlier in this episode, the IBSC Research Committee has and continues to spearhead a number of research initiatives. Apart from the successful IBSC Action Research Program, which you can hear about in Episode 2 of Exploring Boys Education, Many boy-focused research projects have been run under the auspices of IBSC. All of these reports are available to member schools in our member centre. We have research reports in member centre on character education, relational teaching, mastery practice in teaching boys, achievements in boys' schools, locating significance in the lives of boys, and there's also a global study of effective practices in teaching boys. Early in 2020, we'll also be releasing the report of a study into responsible sexual citizenship. If you don't currently have access to the IBSC Member Centre, please email us on ibsc at theibsc.org for more information. For now, however, back to Caitlin and her second pair of guests, Mike Fellon and Sandy Boys from Crescent School in Toronto. I'm here with Mr. Mike Fellon from the Crescent School and with Dr. Sandra Boys. Um, we've just spoken with a number of schools who have established research centres and cultures within their context. But at Crescent, you're at the start of that journey, and so we thought it might be helpful to hear something of how you arrived at that decision and what your uh, what your experience has been since. So, why a why a research centre? Well, thanks, Caitlin, and we really appreciate you engaging with us. Uh, we're on an exciting journey, and uh, I think one of the the, the great opportunities that schools have to participate within the Boys Schools Coalition is is to learn from one another and we have been actively um, watching and listening and observing um, great schools around the world establish uh, places of inquiry um, and research centers so as to support staff and teachers and thinking about how best to educate their boys 
And as we went around the world, it was clear to us that uh, we wanted to do something similar. And so uh, schools like Scott's College in Sydney and, and St. Christopher's in Richmond and Eton College in the United Kingdom were gracious enough to allow us to come into their school, show us around and uh, invite us into the journey that they've been on. And so we were really inspired by what we saw, uh, how we saw the work uh, being produced and we, we wanted to try our hand at doing something similar. It's been really exciting for us to have the opportunity to afford our teachers and our thoughts uh, the ability to do what schools do for our students, which is think about learning and how we learn and how we can engage in that process and to be able to learn from our international colleagues and the heart of what a research centre is, examining our practice to support boys and their learning was incredibly exciting to us and it, it was very clear um, when we were able to visit the other schools how these research centres are informing the practice and also the ability to have a research culture at a school which probes amazing questions which is really what learning is all about. Mm -hmm. And um, we will have listeners who will be inspired by your story and by your journey. It would be great to hear of, of, of how you've taken an idea and turned it into practice. So what, what does that process look like? Well, many ideas in school start from uh, an opportunity where you're looking at your future. And so uh, about five years ago, the school thought critically about where we wanted to go and it first uh, began with an affirmation of our mission which is men of character from boys of promise and uh, we felt that in order to fully achieve that vision moving forward we uh, we needed to um, think more especially about two drivers of that mission uh, which are people in place and so uh, many schools uh, that that we work with and we are are in partnership with uh, put a lot of resources behind the infrastructure, the physical infrastructure of their school, so as to make sure the best resources are in place for their staffs and boys and whatnot. But, but I think for us, more importantly, we felt that it was our people that needed our first attention, and so it began with uh, our uh, intent to clarify and imagine uh, the the knowledge, skills, and character strengths of our boys. And so we frame that in terms of the portrait of the graduate. What, what would be the, the key uh, qualities and characteristics that our boys would need to be future uh, ready? And so uh, we've, we did that work. And what came out of that work then was um, three guiding questions. Um, who am I? How do I lead? And what is my legacy? And, uh, and, and that was a great moment for us because then it asked us, you know, caused us to ask what then are the commensurate uh, qualities in our staff that are required to, to build those qualities and dispositions in the boys. And so we went down the road then of trying to develop and align key competencies that our staff would then need. So in doing this deliberate planning, uh, around our strategic intent uh, uh, and to go deeper within uh, the, the need to, to support our people, it became clear to us that professional learning was the way in uh, to ensuring that we both found, uh, retained and grew the very best people we could to support our boys in their character development, thus the, the center, thus the need to position the centre as a place where learning, research, inquiry, uh, professional growth 
all could be housed and and developed in a in a common common location. There's some exciting things that we feel we've been able to do, <clears throat> excuse me, based on the information that we've received from the other schools. So one thing they said is you really need to have a very clear focus and a clear understanding and way to communicate who you are and what you're doing within the school. So we've called ourselves the Crescent Center for Boys Education, but it's about discovering how boys learn best. And it was also really important that we had uh, defined our purpose for everyone. So we wanted to design a community of inquiry to inform our practice, and I think that was really important. And then all the, um, also advice that we had that was so important was just to choose the things that you want to focus on. You can't focus on everything. So in companionship with who am I, how do I lead, and what is my legacy, our three areas of focus are character, of course, given our mission statement, well-being, and three pedagogies, which are active, experiential, and relational. So that is really going to help us as we go forward to galvanize energy and focus of our teachers and, and the whole community around where we're going to put our energy and focus in research. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something we've most definitely learned from our colleagues, and we're excited about having a really clean way to start um, the upcoming year. And so when you think about that upcoming year, what are, what are some of the very practical things that you will be doing as you, as you introduce this centre to the school? Well, we're going to start um, with our entire community with actually one of the questions that Mike started with earlier, which is who am I? And that's going to be the focus for our very first year. So it's not only with the students, um, but it is with the entire staff of the school to examine who they are as individuals and how their work in the, in the, at Crescent School in, you know, works with everybody in the community. So that's, that's how we're going to start. One of the things that we do each year is we, we, um, we ask the, the staff to individually set goals that are you know, in line with the school goals. And, and over the past few years, we felt the need to allow people the, the, the space to create a personal professional goal. And so as Sandy suggested, uh, the, the question that, that we're going to be leading with uh, this coming year, who am I, will allow us to explore uh, personal competencies uh, tied to you know, emotional intelligence uh, in particular. And so we are going to have everyone in the staff set a goal to further develop their own self-awareness. Um, and, and we hope and trust that in doing so, that will um, allow them to enter more deeply into why they do what they do, what they're called to do, what they do. And, and, and you know, back to the, your, your, your point about the journey, Caitlin, you know, it strikes me that, that schools of the future um, need to be great places to teach, but they need to be great places to learn too. And so um, it's really important to me that as we are uh, endeavoring to support students, and in this case, boys, to be ongoing lifelong learners, so too do we need to be doing that work with our staff who we know uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, teach by not teaching anything at all. And so the, the, what they're teaching in this case is that they themselves are endeavoring to learn and grow and develop their craft alongside the very students that they're looking to support. So I think very practically for us, uh, that's how we're, we're starting. And, and as a head, um, I think it's really important sometimes to identify uh, when to get out of the way. And, and I'm for, I'm, fortunately for me, I have, you know, Sandy uh, to trust and, and lean on, and so it's it's a real opportunity just to when you have the people and you have the strength uh, 
uh, and the capacity to, to, to conduct work in your school, it's really an, an amazing thing just to be able to ask, how can I help? How can I allow you to flourish in, in your professional work? So I don't think we would be doing any of this really outside of the strategy and the intent uh, without knowing that we had people in place, you know, capable people, people who care about the mission, care about our staff, care about our boys. To, to envision it and lead it into the future. So I'm, I'm really excited about supporting Sandy and her team uh, as, uh, as we begin next year. And I should mention that um, Trish Sislak, who is well known to the IBSC community as an action research leader, is also a part of this team, an integral part of this team. And um, we have, we're going to be working a lot with her uh, and her knowledge of IBSC schools all over the world to continue to learn from the partnership. So although we are new in this venture, we feel very well supported and excited to be a part of this new research culture family. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, it's exciting to hear about where you've begun and where you're going, and we look forward to seeing how that progresses. Thank you very much. Thank you. Such wonderful insight from Mike and Sandy here about the process they're going through to establish a research centre at Crescent. What struck me most is how the collegiality in the IBSC network helped make this a reality. It is these kinds of connections and learning opportunities that make IBSC membership so valuable. My sincere thanks to all our guests on this episode, and in particular Dr. Caitlin Munday, who worked so hard to plan and make this episode possible. Before we close out today, I'd like to remind you to send me your voice notes in response to this and other Exploring Boys Education podcasts. If you've forgotten the details of how to do so, you can find those in our episode notes. Lastly, we'd like to encourage all our member schools to make sure that every member of staff at their schools is registered on Member Centre. This is one important way to leverage IBSC membership for the professional growth of faculty. The more of your teachers who can take advantage of our resources, the better. If you need help doing this, please reach out to us. Until our next Exploring Boys Education episode, from me, Bruce Collins, goodbye.